Titus went off the wrong way. Threw me off. Well, how are you all doing today? Boy, you look good. You know what tomorrow is? Is there anybody that doesn't know what tomorrow is? <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas. And I would like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Uh, I was uh, struggling a little bit about what to talk about this morning. Uh, tell you the truth, I forgot tomorrow was Christmas. And I went ahead and got a sermon on uh, what, the Sermon on the Mount, what I was planning on doing. And uh, when I figured out it was Christmas, yeah, Friday I think it was, I said, I'm just going to go with my Sermon on the Mount. And then uh, this morning about 7.30, all that changed. Uh, I've been listening to uh, too much TV news, I think. About a week or two ago, uh, the Pope, he decided that uh, Roman Catholic priests can uh, bless homosexual marriages now, according to the, the Pope. Uh, homosexuality would be uh, something that people can engage in, uh, which, of course, obviously includes fornication since God's not marrying them. And I've, I've watched his people respond in basically three different ways. Number one, uh, there were a lot of people that agreed with him. And this is mostly uh, priests and preachers. Number two, uh, a lot of them disagreed with him. And number three, there's another group, a sizable group, that they were making fun of it. They were taking it lightly, uh, the decision that was made by uh, the Pope. But uh, it, it is a major decision. It's going to affect things uh, in years to come uh, because when the Pope says something, it, it has an effect uh, around the world. He's a, he's a very powerful man, and he carries a lot of weight. And it, it bothered me. It made me sad that he did that. Uh, and then there, there were some other things that's been said. Uh, well, yesterday morning and this morning also, was uh, they talk about the hope of Christmas. Uh, Christmas uh, gives us hope. And uh, I don't know how many times I heard that, but I heard it a lot. And i got to be honest with you, it bothered me uh, that that expression was becoming so popular with people. Uh, it obviously uh, demonstrates a, a misunderstanding of, of what Christmas is. So... Uh, with all that in my mind, as well as a sermon on uh, blessed are those who mourn, uh, you can say it this way also, happy are the sad. Uh, quite a paradox, isn't it? Happy are the sad. Uh, happy are the poor in spirit. Uh, I thought I would talk about those kinds of things in order to uh, set up for sermon next week. Uh, we, we, as the children of God, it's important that we understand uh, whose spirit we bear and whom we are, we are to be like. Think 
Happy are the sad, Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's a, that's a strange thought when you hear that. Happy are the sad. You know, that doesn't really make a lot of sense when you hear it. Does he mean that we have to be sad all the time? Do we have to go around looking like we were, well, weaned on a dill pickle? Are we supposed to bear a terrible facial expression, have our heads hung over? Does that mean we can't enjoy ourselves, that we can't have fun? That's not what our Lord meant by that phrase or the statement. Uh, that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about um, the reality of a Christian's life. And the reality of a Christian's life is that there will be a great deal of sadness. There has to be. If we're human, there must be. If we believe what God has said, then we believe that most of the world we see is under condemnation. That the future holds a terrible, terrible fate. And that that's going to affect us to some degree. There are some things that just are not funny making fun about homosexuality. That's not, that's not funny. That's, that's very sad, and it's very tragic. This transitioning thing going on right now in our country, where they're changing boys into girls and girls into boys and supposedly doing that, oh, how sad that is. You know, a six, seven-year-old child, they don't know what they want. And soon it's going to come the day where they're going to regret that such a decision was made and the little girl decides she'd rather be a girl. A boy decides he, he'd rather be a boy, but the parts aren't there anymore and they can't go back. It's sad because it's contrary to the divine will. God made us what he wants us to be. And there's so many times when we look out at the world, what we see is antagonism towards God. And how can you not be sad when you see that? One thing that frightens me, because we're all susceptible to deception, is forgetting who we are, what we are. Taking, for example, a worship service of Almighty God lightly. 
treating it like uh, something of insignificance, being disrespectful to God, to the church, showing out, acting up, not somber. Today we're here to celebrate the life and death of a man, the Son of God. And how serious is that? Whenever I go to the funeral home to hold a funeral, I've always tried to be as respectful as I possibly can because it's a significant moment. Some people's lives have changed. They'll never be the same again. I understand that. It's not funny. It's very serious. And so it is when we congregate to worship God. And sometimes it seems to me as I look out at things in our world that that Sobriety, that sober-mindedness towards sacred things is being lost. That makes me sad. Many people have left churches of various groups to go to the Life Church up in Cookville. And there's another church up there somewhere people go to, I guess. But the reason they go there is because of a, a party-like atmosphere. Most denominations, I don't agree with their theology, but most that I know personally, the preachers, are very respectful of their vocation and their services. But it seems to be becoming more and more trendy for people to pursue that world-like atmosphere of church. There was one church in Cookville. They had a billboard sign the way I go up uh, to town and uh, about something about coming to their service, and it said, uh, you'll never feel like you've been in church when you come to be with us. You'll never feel, what does that mean? What does that mean? That you've come to, to meet with the Son of God and you'll never feel like you've done it? Well, there's no sobriety. It's, it's, it's more of a world atmosphere and you know as well as I do that things have changed dramatically especially during our lifetime if somebody had told me 50 years ago that it would be like it is today I would never have believed it but here we are I'm not talking about Biden and all this other stuff going on out there I'm talking about in this fear of religion predominantly Things have changed. Even our own brotherhood. Some churches now, they're not much anymore. 
their services are more about attracting people rather than building up people. And that makes me sad. I know what the consequences are. I've studied it through the lens of history. I've witnessed it during my lifetime. And it makes me very sad. The sermon I was supposed to preach today, blessed are those who mourn. Happy are the sad. Did Jesus really mean that? He said, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who, Lord? Those who are sad. Well, not just sad, but sad for a reason, a particular reason. Those who possess a spirit akin to his, he's made sad. And as he's made sad, we ought to be affected in a similar way. It's important for you and I, so important for you and I, to understand this. Because it, it, it's going to carry through the entire Sermon on the Mount. The, our Lord is, 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 is breathing a spirit of life into people. And it's a life that you and I can be partakers of. But we have to learn and understand what he means. Is he saying we can't smile? Uh-uh. He doesn't have that on his mind. Is he saying that we can't have fun and laugh? He doesn't have that on his mind. Is he saying we can't enjoy ourselves with a party? Look at the sign I got up on the screen. <laughs> if I thought that was true, I wouldn't have that up there. This is one of my favorite times of year. There's nothing wrong with enjoying yourself. As long as we have things in their proper perspectives. All of life is not a party. Some of it is. But a lot of our life, and the older you get, the more you're going to sense this. I used to didn't be as affected by things I, I've been discussing as much 30 years ago as I am today. The older we get, I believe, the more we feel like mourning over some things that we see. And the reason for that, I believe, would be because we have more faith, because we're wiser, because we have a greater understanding of what we see and the consequences of it. Because we love people more than we ever had before. And it takes a toll on us. And it'll happen to you, I'm, I'm sure. But happy, happy are the sad. I'll get around to talking about that next week. But the point for right now is very simple. The Lord wants us to be of a certain mind, of a certain spirit. It's not that we're to be sad or hang our heads or any of that stuff. 
It's just that we understand what's really important in life. It's that our values are in the right place. We know what's truly valuable, what's trivial, what's essential, what's non-essential. We know how to live, but we possess the spirit of the Son of God because he lives in us. This is a target that we're to shoot for. It's hard. It's hard to explain. It's, I'm struggling right now to explain it because it's so hard to explain the spirit that you and I are to possess. But as we learn, we're going to understand it better and better as we learn. But this spirit that I'm talking about is the spirit that runs throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And with each step of the way, Jesus is building a certain kind of character in us. If we listen. And if we do, as he would have us to do. The same thing happened in the Old Testament. God wanted his people to feel a certain way about sin. Israel, during the days of Isaiah the prophet, Israel had become a haughty, haughty in spirit. They forgot who they were. They forgot what truth was. They were, they were rejoicing over the wrong things and weeping over the wrong things. Their values were skewed, something terrible. And the Lord had to get their attention. He had to bring them to their senses because if he didn't, he would have to destroy them. God is a very, very holy being. And he could only tolerate sin and sinfulness so long. In the scriptures, when it came to the destruction of the Amorites, the Lord talked about them filling up their cup of iniquity, their cup of sin. And whenever the sin, the cup was full, then the cup was going to run over. And when that happened, they had reached a point where God, holy, holy God, could no longer tolerate their existence on this planet. And he had to destroy them. And he sent the Israelites into the land of Canaan. And he said, I want you to kill every man, woman, child. You've got to annihilate these people. Eradicate them. They can't exist any longer because their cup of iniquity was full. That was a lesson for Israel. And now Israel's in the hot seat. It's not the Amorites at this time. It's the Israelites. They have become exceedingly sinful in their ways. And something would have to change. One day, during the reign of Hezekiah, the king, there was a foreign army that surrounded Jerusalem. Sennacherib had been destroying small countries and fortified cities 
for some time at this point. He was just sweeping through the land like a giant bulldozer. In, 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 in Judah, 46 fortified cities were mowed to the ground. Now Hezekiah the king living in Jerusalem, he knew what was going on in his kingdom. The Assyrians were coming through. Nothing could stop them. It was the scorched earth policy when they came through. And now they're outside the walls of Jerusalem. Their target, Jerusalem. They're going to take it. They're going to destroy it. Just like they did the rest of the land. You can imagine the feelings of the Jewish people on the inside of those walls. They would have been terrified. This massive, massive, mean, you talk about mean, these are mean people. We're outside the, their walls, just itching to get inside. And it wouldn't take long, a couple of years, and they would be in. They would starve the city into submission, and they would take them, and they would destroy them. So you know they, they're terrified. God sent Sennacherib there with his army because the Jews had to repent. Because if they didn't repent, if they kept going the way they're going, God would have to destroy them. But it didn't turn out the way it should have turned out. The text says, In that day, the Lord God of hosts called for weeping, for mourning, for baldness, for girding with sackcloth. Surely the reality of the spiritual condition of the nation would rattle them to their core. But it didn't. Quite to the contrary. The inhabitants didn't mourn. Instead, they were full of joy and gladness. They were slaying oxen and killing sheep. They were eating meat. And they were drinking wine. And they came up with the phrase, let us eat and drink. For tomorrow we die. Why were they so happy? Well, there's a couple of reasons, I suppose. We don't know the exact answer. But it could have been because they thought God would intervene. After all, they were God's people. And with Sennacherib tried to destroy God's city, surely God will intervene and stop them. That may have been on the minds of a lot of them. And then there was a lot of them. They, they know death's inevitable. Today, tomorrow, next week, what's the difference? When your day comes, when your ticket's punched, it's punched. Why worry about it? Let us eat, drink, be merry. If it's our time to get our ticket punched, so be it. My point is this. God meant for the people to have a certain spirit, but they didn't. 
They didn't have that spirit. And because they didn't possess that spirit, they couldn't be saved. Not as they were. The Lord didn't destroy Jerusalem that day, but he would. At the appropriate time, he would. Not too far into the future. In the 14th verse, Isaiah said, It was revealed in my hearing by the Lord of hosts, surely for this iniquity, the inability of the people to repent when certain death was at the door. For this iniquity, there will be no atonement for you. There's no coming back now. Even to your death, says the Lord God of hosts. Well, they didn't die that day, but it wasn't long after. The Babylonian armies marched into Judah. 50,000 people survived the attack. They were taken back to Babylon. But the great majority of the people uh, perished at that time. They were supposed to be of one spirit, but they weren't. You could have said at that time, happy are the sad. Why? Because they would have survived. That was what the Lord was looking for, wasn't it? Happy are the sad. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But there were no sad. Jesus says to us, happy are the sad. What kind of a spirit do we possess? Does sin trouble us? Does it disturb us? Does it bother us? That we see so much of it in our world? You know, everybody does their own thing, right? Celebrating an adulterous wedding. Do you have a spirit of mourning if you can celebrate an adulterous union? Celebrating a homosexual marriage. How does a child of God, a person who possesses the spirit of God, how does the person celebrate what's obviously contrary to the divine will. Do we love people? Absolutely we do. But you know, that's why we don't celebrate. It's not because we hate people. It's because we love people. If you saw a child running out into the street with a lot of traffic and you made no move to save that child. You're not going to make the child angry. You're not going to make mama angry. But would you really be the friend of the child 
if you allowed that to happen? Sometimes when you reach out trying to help somebody, you wind up in trouble. I remember one time a man was beating on his wife, and I pulled him off of her. Next thing I know, she was on me. And I learned a very valuable lesson. Stay out of domestic fights. I mean, if you're going to kill her or something, I'd stop it. But, uh, oh, she was so angry with me. But when you see somebody about to maybe really hurt somebody, you got to do something. Because you care for people. Celebrating over sinful things or sinful events is not good. It's bad. But we see so much of that now. We see so much of it. The Facebook. I don't know anything about the Facebook. But my BR, she tries to keep me informed of things that may pop up that you really wish didn't pop up. And uh, I see uh, what they call it, the comment section or something. People are commenting, congratulating someone who got married that wasn't supposed to get married Someone who stole another person's spouse and got married, and now they're getting married, and somebody, a Christian person, is congratulating them on their new nuptials. We shouldn't feel that way. Do you understand what's happening to this person? They're, 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 they're setting themselves up for, for certain failure. How do you not mourn over that? What if it's your child? If one of my children did that, I think I would lose my mind. I honestly think I would lose my mind. And then they would put me in jail probably because I'd beat the kid probably half to death. I'd be so angry. I can think of nothing, nothing worse than a person losing their soul. And it troubles me that some shall needlessly. Happy are the sad. Blessed are those who have the capacity to mourn. Blessed are those who have the capacity to be meek. Jesus is going to go on and on with the list. They all have to do with our spirit, who we are, what we are. Our hope isn't Christmas. If it really was, the Lord would have told us to celebrate Christmas as a religious holy day. But he doesn't. We don't know uh, what month Jesus was born in. I don't know what day of the week he was born on. I'm not even sure what year he was born in. 
Neither is anybody else. Do you think the Lord, after being so vague about the birth of his son, do you think he wants us to celebrate it as a holy day? He just about hid it from us. Now, am I saying it's wrong to celebrate? No. We celebrate Christmas as a national holiday. We don't celebrate it as a religious holy day. This is not the season of miracles. This is a time when families get together and they joy each other and ruin the kids. It's a good time of year for me. Ever since I was a child, it was a good time of year, and it still is. But it's not a religious holy day. Jesus is not the reason for the season. It started out as a pagan day, a pagan festival. The Christians felt sad. Constantine made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire. Well, everybody, they're all pagans. They all decided to get baptized and become a Christian. Why? The emperor made it the national religion. So everybody decided to become a Christian. But they had a problem. And the problem was they had no festive days. They had no days to celebrate. The only thing they ever did was on the first day of the week, they came together to mourn the loss of the Son of God. There was no parties. So they decided, here's what we'll do. We'll take this holy day of December 20, well, at that time, I think it was December 21st, eventually got moved to the 25th. We'll take this pagan day, we'll call it the day Jesus was born, which he was born in the spring. We'll call it the day he was born, and we'll make it our, our greatest festival day for Christian peoples. But for you and I, that's not the case. I know it is for most of the world. For most, Jesus is the reason of the season. But we don't believe that. And we actually mourn because of it in some ways. Because the cross, the cross is our major day. The empty tomb is the reason for celebration. Jesus lived. He died. He lives again. And because he did, I know I can. And that's a reason to be happy. That's the reason to rejoice. And every first day of the week, because this day is so important to us, because it is such a fantastic day. Every first day of every week, we come together, we commemorate the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Son of God. Because this is what our Lord would have us to do. Listen, my brothers and sisters, I know people have a lot of fun in various churches. I know what goes on. I know they're having the greatest time of their life.
But is it what God wants people to do? The Jewish people refused to bear the spirit of God. And because of it, they had to die. But that won't happen to us. Because we put Christ first. It's not that we're better than anybody. It's because of our confidence in God's dear son. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I honestly do. I had a big time yesterday with my family. Loved the daylights out of it. One of the best years, days in my whole life, in my year. And I hope yours is just as wonderful. And I hope you smile. All day long, I hope you smile. Because when you come back next Sunday, I'm going to say, happy after sad. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about it. I'll explain to you what the Lord meant. I know you are such godly people. I know you got good hearts. I know you're striving to do your very best. And I commend you with all my heart. If you're not a Christian, we hope you would be one today. By believing in Jesus as the Son of God, being immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins. As Christians, we were born again, and from birth forward, we try to emulate Jesus Christ. Very slow, tedious process, but we progress, and we shall progress by following God's holy word.